Thank you, Natalie. I know she hand sanitized, and I did too before we handed off the mic, so I think we're doing okay. Um, I'm glad to be with you this morning in this unique way. Um, today's in kind of along with how life's, our lives have been unusual, uh, my time with you today is going to be a little bit unusual. Um, it's going to be unusual for a, f a few reasons. One is um, because I'm, I'm probably going to stick a little close to my notes. Uh, this has been a hard sermon for me to prepare for, hard sermon to write. There's been a lot of tears as I prepared this sermon. And thus the Kleenex box in case I fall that direction again. Uh, but it's also a unique sermon because in this time, I'm going to ask something of you, something big, something very big, something life-changing even, something life-giving. Uh, I'm going to ask you to be a part of healing me, to be a healing instrument in my life. Are we going to have to change the mics, or are we, are we good? Because we're hearing the, okay, we're good. I can hear some static, and so just making sure it's not me or causing a problem. Everyone's kind of doing their dance back there to see if we uh, can get it taken care of. As I said, I might stick a little closer to my notes um, just to help me stay on stay on message. Um, several weeks ago, Pastor Eric started us on this journey talking about the healing ministry of God, of Jesus. It's called Carry the Mat, the healing ministry of Jesus. And we've talked about God proclaiming himself over and over and over in Scripture as God, our healer, the healer of our, our physical infirmities, the healer of the brokenness of our hearts, the healer of our anxieties, the healer of our doubts. Today, we're going to jump in and listen to God as he describes himself as the healer of our broken communities. And boy, are we facing broken community today. So I'm excited to be able to share what the Lord has put on my heart this week, to listen to God's good word, to challenge us, to engage him as our healer. And here's the incredible thing. God is calling us to be instruments in his healing plan and purpose. Originally, I was going to do this sermon based on John chapter 8, which is the woman caught in adultery. And as I was preparing and praying, I felt God moving me to think about John 8 in a different way. And, and what came to me was Galatians 6. And why, Lord, what, what is Galatians 6? You know, where, where are you taking me? And as I read it again and again, what I realized is that Galatians 6 
is filled with God's answer to the sin problem of our, in our communities. So I'm, going to, I'm still going to connect with the John 8 passage, but then I'm going to camp out a bit more in Galatians 6 because we know the problems, but are we holding on to and stepping out towards and taking hold of God's path of answer, of healing. I want, it, I want us to look at John 8 because it's, there's a message out there, out there today that um, has been a part of, I think, the problem, I'll say. Uh, it's, we've got protests going on, rightful protests, righteous protests, we also have this violent stream happening, people um, rioting, looting, having their own agenda. Um, and one of the chants that you hear during that violent expression um, is this. It says, uh, you'll see it chanted, you'll see it on signs. No justice, no peace. This is a hard chant, a hard sign for me, because it's hopeless. There's hopelessness in this, because we have so many people who want to define what justice is and what, what justice is supposed to look like, and, and who are making a vow to say, I... I Unless I get what I decide is justice, there's going to be no peace. So, so this is pretty hopeless. I want us to take a look at John 8, because I want us to go to the author and definer of justice, Jesus. John 8 gives us a picture of how Jesus does justice. So I'm going to read that for us. John 8. At dawn, Jesus appeared again in the temple courts, where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. Now, what do you say? They, the teachers and the Pharisees, were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing Jesus. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his fingers. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, let any one of you who is without sin cast the first stone. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. 
then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Now go and leave your life of sin. That's the justice of Jesus. Now, he's not saying there are no consequences to sin. We know there are consequences. In fact, every sin has a consequence. It's part of the the discussion of, of today. But Jesus is declaring no condemnation. And we know in in other scripture, we hear powerfully and rejoice that it says, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. I might say that, and I'm going to speak in generalities here, some general terms. I might say that the rioters and looters are a bit like the teachers and Pharisees who brought the woman caught in adultery to Jesus. They're present with their own agenda. They don't care about the real sin and evil that we saw when George Floyd was murdered. They're there for their own agenda. They're there not taking into consideration their own sin. And now, speaking in generalities again, I'll say before you get smug and say, you know, you're right, they are forgetting their own sinfulness. In this scenario, if the looters and the rioters and, and, and the folks going about this in their evil way for their evil purposes are, are, are the rioters and looters, well, generally speaking, the white people would be considered the woman caught in adultery. So their sin. Actually, you know, we can reverse these things. White people, generally speaking, could be the ones bringing the black person in and saying, look at this person's sin. What, what should we do about it? So the reality, people, that I'm trying to point to is that we could be anyone in that scenario except Jesus. Okay? So Jesus didn't say no consequences, but he said no condemnation. And we start there recognizing our own sinfulness. Because when we start with that place of humility, then we can look at change. Then we can look at justice. Because we're letting Jesus define the justice. And so I, I've turned this to, to what my hope is. No Jesus Know Jesus is justice, and then you know peace. So we don't define the justice. We let Jesus define the justice. And our job is to know Jesus. And when we do that, he gives us the gift of his peace. His peace to deal with the consequences. Because we know that the woman caught in adultery didn't just walk out and everybody brought her back and Uh, went on and pretended that it didn't happen. But the justice of Jesus gave opportunity for that woman and 
the Pharisees and the teachers to find his redeeming, healing grace. And I understand that there are times when you don't want people to get to know God's grace. I, I get that. Our anger can take us there. But we need to not stay there. Because if we stay there, in that denying of grace anger, then our own hearts become bitter and hardened. And I would encourage you to remember that Jesus did not say, uh, he who has the lesser sin cast the first stone. Okay? He said, he who is without sin cast the first stone. Because guess what, brothers and sisters? A lesser sin does not mean there was lesser of Jesus on the cross. So my sin put Jesus on that cross. My heart is desperate for the grace and restoration that only Jesus can bring. And I don't want somebody looking into my heart and my sin and making the determination that I'm not I don't have value and therefore should not have access to the restoration and grace and redemption that is Jesus Christ. Okay, that's, that can be a little hard message to hear, but it needs to be our starting point. Because Jesus has us praying this prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And uh-oh, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Uh-oh. Uh I think when you pray that prayer, unless your heart is really there, I, I, would, I suggest you skip that part. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours, Lord, is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So let's remember that. I acknowledge that we're hurting and we're broken. In fact, I, as Pastor talked about us carrying the mat, I will say again and again, I am on the mat. And because I'm on the mat, I'm asking you, my brothers and sisters in Christ, and, and I am speaking to the church because I am sharing the words of our Lord, and he's made it clear that these words are foolishness to someone who does not know him. So here we go. We're going to dive in to my big ask. I'm going to ask you to help heal me. God has given us the picture of how to do that. I, if I say to you I'm on the mat, I'm also going to say to you I think you're on the mat. And God is calling us to respond. Now, you might think, well, if you're on the mat, and I'm on the mat, and she's on the mat, how can I help you if I'm on the mat myself? 
Galatians 6. Let's dive in. As I read this, let your hearts be open to hearing the humility that is called for in this passage. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you may also be tempted. Does that sound familiar? Does that sound like the John 8 that we just read? Yes. So again, God is making it clear. We need to watch ourselves. Verse 2, carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should carry their own load. Nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the word should share all good things with their instructor. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. So this passage tells us all about how to treat people. It begins with standing on a foundation of humility. Bear one another's burdens. Bear one another's burdens. When I think about that verse, two, two questions come up for me because it says, bear one another's burdens and so doing so fulfill the law of Christ. So I have to ask, what, well, what is, the, what is it to bear one another's burdens? What does that mean? Especially when a couple verses down it says we are all to carry our own load. And then what does it mean, what is this law of Christ? Well, throughout his ministry, Jesus was known to speak in these parables, stories, stories that had uh, a moral meaning, uh, stories that had multiple meanings, layers to the stories. But as his ministry was coming to a close, he spoke less and less in parables and began to speak incredibly directly. So he did that. The night, the last night he spent with, the, with his disciples. He said this in John 13, 34. On his last night with his disciples, Jesus said, and I'm reading from the Amplified Version, I am giving you a new commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you. 
so you are to love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love and unselfish concern for one another. This is the one command that Jesus gave. And, and the disciples were very caught up in what was going on. Jesus had just washed their feet, and he had just said to them, uh, I'm, I'm leaving. So it, it doesn't reflect in this scripture that, that they didn't lose their minds when they should have. Because Jesus said, uh, I'm giving you a new commandment. Well, who gives commands? Who can give a command? Only God. Only God makes the spiritual law. And here is Jesus standing in his, in his full divinity in this moment and declaring a command for us to follow. Love as he loved. And, and how did he love? Well, let's look at Ephesians 5. 5.25 tells us that Jesus loved his church, his people, by giving up his life for us. He gave up his life for us. Philippians 2.8 says that Jesus' love was such that he humbled himself in obedience to, fa to the Father, obedience even to death on a cross. So Jesus loves us, and he commands us to love one another. And he tells us that by bearing one another's burdens, we fulfill that law of love. So this is an important thing to pay attention to bearing one another's burdens. Galatians 6, 4, and 5 is that section of Scripture I mentioned where it says we have to carry our own load. But the, the word used in verse 5 uh, in, in the Greek, that word means, guess what? It means load <laughs> or, uh, or cargo, something that we bring along with us. Okay. We are to take stock of our cargo, to take a look at what we are carrying, because we've been given some things to carry. We've been given talents and gifts and abilities, finances, um, understanding. We've been given those things to carry, and we are to carry them according to a purpose. And as believers, followers of Jesus Christ, that purpose needs to include what we have, whatever we've been called to. We're a person of, to, called to pray, we need to be praying. If we're a person called to heal, we need to be healing. If we're a person called to worship, we need to worship. We have a load to carry. But that word in verse 2 where it says burden it's a different greek word and and it really is describing that something that has come upon a person that is too much that has taken their load 
and put extra on, enough extra, in fact, that, that they, they can't bear it. That's what this week has felt like for me. I am burdened beyond my ability to move. So I need your help, church, brothers and sisters, whatever color you are, if you are a follower of Jesus. I need your help today because I'm burdened beyond what I can bear. I need you to see that that command of Christ is not optional. I need you to understand that, yes, there are vile things happening that we can't agree with, we can't go along with. The rioting, the, the looting, but we can't go along with what was behind a man putting his knee on the neck of someone else and murdering him because of the color of his skin. So we need to step into the command of God to bear one another's burdens and fulfill the law of Christ. How do we do that? Well, we do the next right thing. Now, I know for some of you folks, that phrase, the next right thing, you're aware of it because you've seen Frozen 2, and you've seen Anna sing about it. But I've known that phrase for many, 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 many years. Because my husband, Peter, he's the school district, school district 49 superintendent. And prior to that, he was principal of high school and middle school. So he's been to countless graduations. And he has had this message for these probably 19 years where he says to the students, you're going to have some things come up in your life that are not going to be pleasant, that are going to be hard, that are going to be devastating, that are going to be challenging. And when you do, you need to do the next right thing. Excuse me. I have a feeling that some graduate somewhere heard this and took it to heart and passed it on and passed it on, and the next thing you know, Anna is singing about it. We are not going to get royalties for that, which I wish we could, but, but I will tell you where I believe it started. Do the next right thing. I think this Galatians passage is telling us do the next right thing. Bear one another's burdens. If we do that, it's a, it's a beginning. It's a foundation that we can build on. Because this is a problem that is beyond our ability to just name one thing 
and have the answer. And so it feels overwhelming. And so the riots come, and then my white brothers and sisters say, well, I can't agree with that, and neither can I agree with what that police officer did or what, what those vigilantes did that killed Ahmaud Arbery or what the police officers did who killed Breonna Taylor. So I'm just going to step back because I, I can't do any of this. I can't take a side. And for my Christian brothers and sisters of color, we same thing of saying, oh, I can't go along with these looters and people who are, vi are being violent and vile this way, and I certainly can't go along with these murders. But we don't actually get to step back and step away and just put it away and say, you know, I just can't, I can't go there. So what happens for us is we fall into this place of, of, of despair and hopelessness. And if we aren't careful, that despair and hopelessness turns into bitterness and sinful anger. Sin is not something we get to justify because we don't get to stand before the Lord and say, uh, I'm... I can't handle this, so I'm just going to pretend, God, it's not happening. Because God isn't going to say, yeah, it's hard for me to watch too, so I, I get that, so just turn away. And God is not going to say, if I come to him, oh, Lord, I'm, I'm so tired of this. I'm so hurt and so angry. I just want to just reach out and snatch somebody. Or as my grandma would say, snatch somebody bald-headed. That's how bad it is. And but Jesus is not going to say, yeah, I, I can't really do anything about this because I'm here in heaven, so you go ahead and be that instrument of vengeance. He doesn't say that. So what God is saying to us, is we have an opportunity to do the next right thing and to bear one another's burdens. Today is Pentecost Sunday. This incredible God of us, this God who has given us a love beyond description, has also done something incredibly crazy. He has given us himself, the fullness of of himself as Holy Spirit to indwell in us and to empower us to go along with, to move into, to embrace, to step forward, to do the next right thing in his power according to our call. We are, we are empowered by the Holy Spirit to do the next right thing. So, brothers and sisters, are you going to do the next right thing? Are you going to follow the command of our Lord? So, the agony of my heart, the brokenness of this week. I want to take a minute. We normally do a testimony, a video testimony, but I'm going to share. I'm going to be the testimony today. Because I want you to hear why I have had tears and tears and more tears this week. 
I want to tell you about my brother. His name is Ty, Tyrone. He lives in Fort Collins. Incredible man, incredibly kind, incredibly thoughtful, incredibly given, giving. He would, in fact, give you the shirt off his back, literally. And if Ty did give you the shirt off his back, you would see some scars on his back. Scars that have been there for 50, over 50 years now. So when my brother was six years old, he was walking home from school, walking to the babysitter's house, actually. And for junior high, we didn't have middle school back then, junior high boys, that's grades seven, eight, and nine, they took my brother, and they took him down an alley, and they beat him almost to death. And the scars on his back are because they took weeping willow branches and beat him. He's six years old. So these boys took a significant part of my brother's life because their beating caused a traumatic brain injury. He was a period of time after this where he, he had the constant headaches and, and uh, needing medical attention. And, and as a four-year-old child, one of my chores and our chore chart was to put the medicine on his back to heal, help heal up the scars that were there. So in my life, I had a chore to help my brother heal. And during one of his headache episodes, uh, my brother stopped breathing. And he was without oxygen long enough that it caused a brain injury. So my brother, who is a good man, a, a solid man, he's had a good life, but not the life that he was intended to have because of the hatred in the hearts by four junior high boys. Now, I've had people tell me, well, that was so long ago. Well, the consequences are still with me and my brother. The reason he lives in Fort Collins is because he, he's an independent man, but he needs some help and support. So two hours away is independent, but it's close enough that I can get to him if he needs something, if he needs some help. And when I talked to my brother about what he remembered, as he knew I was going to be doing this sermon I said, what, what do you remember about all that, Ty? And he said, I don't remember a thing. Except, yeah, I, I do remember this. I remember not wanting to die. So my brother remembers not wanting to die. George Floyd was not wanting to die. So when I watch the video of George Floyd not wanting to die, I think of my brother, who thankfully didn't die, but you know what? He didn't want to die. 
He knows what that feels like. And then we live by Cottonwood Creek Park. Less than one year ago, 50 years from the time my brother was beaten, my oldest son was walking home about 10.30 at night. And three men, grown men, asked him as he was walking, hey, you got any cigarettes? He said, no. Said, hey, you got any weed on you? He said, no. Said, I don't believe you. Now, my son, he's about five foot three. He's a grown man, but he's from Ethiopia. He has an accent. Well, these three men, two of them took him by the arms, and the third hit him, kicked him, punched him, till my son had a concussion and a couple broken ribs. And they, as he was laying on the ground, while they, and they, as they kicked him, one man said to him, go back to where you came from. If I see you around here again, I'm going to hang you from the nearest tree. So brothers and sisters, that was less than one year ago, less than one mile away. And then my son-in-law, also an Ethiopian man, good man, was out working hard for Grubhub when he called us in a panic. And he said, I think I'm being followed. What should I do? And we said, just come on home. Come to the house. And he came to the house. And a man in a, in a truck came screeching up and rolls his window down and he yells, what the blank were you doing in my neighborhood? And started screaming, you don't belong in my neighborhood. And had his attack dog in the car and was acting like he was going to stick the dog on my son-in-law and my husband who came out. So I, I actually ran in the house and got our gun because I thought I was going to be shooting somebody's dog or somebody for attacking my family. And, and just so you know, being the good Christian I am, I did tell the man, I hope you know Jesus because I'm about to introduce you to him and you need to see him as Savior and not judge. So... But that was at my house. And lastly, I want to tell you quickly about myself. You all know I'm a hospice chaplain. I went into the home of a patient, and one of my coworkers was also had an appointment with that same patient. So we had decided we were going to have lunch together after we both had our, our time, our meetings with this patient and family. So I met first, and went out into my car and my coworker came and she went in and I was waiting for her and I was in my car doing some charting, which is a part of the chaplain ex experience. You put a chart note into the, the, the patient's file. And I saw this bright yellow truck. I saw it down the street, couldn't miss it because of how big and bright yellow it was and the man standing by it and just noticed it and went and got in my car and um, I'm charting, and then I see, I hear, actually, the truck go, go past me, 
look up and saw the bright yellow go past me. And then I hear these brakes, and I see the truck turn around, and I thought to myself, he must have forgotten something. But instead, he came and drove up and blocked my car. And he said, what are you doing here? And it took me a minute, like, uh, uh, what, what do you mean? He says, why are you here? I said, I'm working. Working at what? I said, I'm, I'm working as a hospice chaplain. Doing what? I said, I, I'm here to see a patient. Oh, well, you know, I, I just know you don't belong in this neighborhood, so I'm just looking out for my neighbors. And, and I wanted to say the blank you are, because if you were looking out for your neighbors, then you would care and you would know that one of your neighbors is actually dying. But that wasn't what he was about. He was about letting me know that I was seen in his neighborhood and I didn't belong. So the story is, and the reason I, I tell that and end with that, is because there was a gift of healing that came along with that story. When my coworker came out, Sally, Sally walked over to the car and she saw that I had my, my head in my hands and she said, what, what's the matter? And I told her what happened. And, and Sally did something that I would describe as bearing my burden. She started to cry. She started to cry with me. She got angry. She wanted to go track down the yellow, the yellow truck. And I told her, no, 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 we're, gonna, we're okay. We're not going to... He had gone off, so she wanted to actually go driving and looking for him, and I just didn't want to do that. I didn't want to connect with that. But I did want to connect with her gift of her emotional connection with me. She did the next right thing and went to that emotional place with me. And she took the burden on herself with me. It's a, I've had that gift several times in my life. I have a, a very dear friend, Valerie, who sent me a Hallmark card filled with expletives where she described herself as my BA bodyguard. And if you don't know what BA means, you have to look it up because I can't say it in church. But she described herself as my BA bodyguard who would take on any white person who dared try to drop their racism on me. And I have a 74-year-old best friend who's 99.999% Norwegian Scandinavian. And she has done the next right thing and bore this burden with me by crying deep, wailing tears about what has happened to me and my family. So that's, that's three people. And, and if I'm on the mat, and I'm on the mat, that's, there's another corner. There's an empty corner. And I'm asking you to be willing to pick up that corner and cut open the roof and lower me down to the feet of Jesus, my healer and my redeemer. I'm not asking you to be my healer, but I am asking you to participate and partner with Jesus Christ in his desire and plan to redeem the brokenness in me. Will you do that?
Will you do that next right thing? Because if you do one next right thing, and believe me, when it comes to this discussion, we need a whole lot of right things. But do one. And then you can find out and figure out what the next right thing is, and then the next right thing. So my right thing this week was to tell you all that I'm on the mat, that I'm devastated and broken, that I don't know what to do with this hopelessness that is overwhelming. So I need you, my brothers and sisters of any color, but yes, I'm speaking to my white brothers and sisters. Be a part of healing me and pick up the mat and do the next right thing. This is not about trying to tell me I shouldn't be on the mat. This is about just recognizing I'm on it and then letting me be a part of picking up your mat. Because if you're on, you're on the mat, if you're on the mat, I want to be a part of taking you before the Lord God, the healer and redeemer. Because that is the only place that hope lies. It doesn't lie in my definition of justice or my definition of, uh, of sin. It lies in the definition that Christ has offered of sin, of justice, and of redemption. So take me to Jesus and let me take you there. And if you say, well, I'm not on the racism mat, well, I, I would be, I'm just going to say you are. I'm not calling you racist. Hear that. I am not calling you racist. But if you're quiet, if you're distant, if you're unwilling to look at the issue, then there, is, there are issues within you around the topic of race that need to be addressed. Let your heart go to the hurt that I hope happened when you saw George Floyd being murdered. And if you haven't seen it, go watch it. I mean, I as a hospice chaplain have seen countless deaths, but I have never seen somebody murdered, and I've never looked into the eyes of somebody while they were murdering somebody. And I saw that. And I was crushed by it. And I hope you, my white brothers and sisters, saw and were crushed by it. Don't let the looting and that violence move you away from the heartbreak you felt when you were witness to what I was witness to, because that is the enemy's direction. He wants to move you away from bearing this burden with me. Don't do it. Bear the burden with me. Do the next right thing. And then the next right thing, you figure out what that is. It could be going to a, a, a demonstration. It could be writing to your uh, 
congressperson if you want to make it political, but if you make this political only, you are building that house on sand. And I'm asking you to build it on the rock. The rock of Jesus Christ, our only hope for salvation and redemption. And he is calling you, brothers and sisters, in Christ to be a part of that journey of healing, of establishing hope. And you can do it by doing the next right thing. I think the worship team's going to want to come up and get ready to sing us out. The next right thing, my brothers and sisters, is for me to tell you that I love you and I care about you and I want your healing. And my Christian brothers and sisters, I want you to want my healing, to come alongside me in my brokenness, recognizing I am on the mat. Will you bear this burden with me? I hope so.